Pride Month, everybody. This is episode 43 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we have the distinct pleasure of being joined by some of the creators of the highly anticipated fan-made webcomic, The Legend of Genji. How's it going, guys? Going awesome. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for coming on the podcast. To start us off, why don't we just go around the panel and just have you guys introduce yourselves, what your pronouns are, and what you do as a member of the Legend of Genji team. So, Mackie, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Yeah, sure thing. So, Um, So, I go by Mackie Draws online, and I am the creator of the Legend of Genji. And I just introduced myself in my tribal language. I'm from the Kwapa Nation, and I'm all about indigenous rights and accessibility and stuff. And I'm just super happy that we have the opportunity to talk with you all today. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll go ahead and just pass it over to team uh, art team lead uh, Juanma. And so go ahead. Thank you, Maggie. So my name is Juan. I am 23 years old. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, so I began as an artist in the team, but then I was promoted to the lead artist, which is a great honor, by the way. I'm also part of the writing team, but just as a writing support member. And I'm going to pass the baton on to Dre. Hello, I go by Dre. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a member of the writing support. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for joining us this evening. We're very excited to talk to you guys about this project. But before we get into it specifically, we like to just ask all of our guests, what is your personal relationship to Avatar? How did you come to the show? Did you watch it as kids or did you just find it later in life or, you know, just kind of generally how you came to Avatar? Mackie, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Yeah. So like a lot of kids in the United States, I grew up binge watching Nickelodeon shows a lot. Uh, and so when I was 10, I watched like the season finale of Avatar 10 or 11. Um, and I had watched it from the very beginning with my older sisters uh, to the point they were obsessed with it to the point that every year for Halloween, we'd make a really, really bad costume and just flaunt it around. Um, yeah. And so it's always had a really special place in my heart. Um, and in particular, as a kid, I always related to Aang, uh, you know, being the last airbender, me being one of the few members of my tribe uh, left in modern times. Um, really, really uh, strong affection for the show. Also, I loved anime and I love cartoons and it has a very unique and distinct place in the animation world and kind of initiated a new attitude towards children's programming and accessibility in different ways. Um, and so I think it's a fantastic masterpiece of animation and Legend of Korra, obviously I had to watch that too. Uh, so that's my relationship with it and why I'm so obsessed with it. And it's never going to leave. That's <laughs> <laughs> just me. Um, Juan, would you want to go next? Sure. So in my case, I was seven years old when the show came out. And at first I thought it was like, the show was like super bad. I didn't really <laughs> like it at first. Yes, I swear. <laughs> swear to God. And um, I had a friend of mine show me an episode. Actually, it was episode nine from book one, the waterbending master. And um I remember that he told me, so these guys can ban the four elements and stuff like that. I was like, that sucks. And then I saw this episode and I saw how they animated the water. Yes, and water banding it. I was like, holy mother God, this is amazing. And actually I think water banding is the reason I fell in love with the show. And from then on, I was like such a fan of it. Um, and I totally identify with Katara when it comes to, you know, grieving her mother because I just lost my mother and so I really connect with her um, and it's such a great show and also like Maggie said Legend of Korra was such an amazing show as well 
I was so excited when I first um, found out that um, it had come out. Uh, so I was like, bring it on. And uh, that's basically it. Um, I am a huge fan of water bending and blood bending. All right. Well, uh, for me, I remember very distinctly uh, when the Nickelodeon started advertising for the premiere of Avatar. And I was like, oh, that seems really interesting. I'm, I I just love like the animation, the style. It's so much more different than everything that's on Nickelodeon. And I think I was, I must have been eight at the time. And I remember sitting down and watching it and I was just hooked from the beginning. I was obsessed. And I made sure to watch every episode the day that it aired. I would not miss it for anything. And I just grew up loving it. it oh, it was just such a big part of my growing up. And I grew up on a very windy hill. hill so I definitely love um, airbending. That's my favorite. And I used to pretend to like airbend when it was really windy on days. Same though. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say I've, I've never done that. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. I mean, out of all of these people who like kind of got into it as kids, I'm like the only one of few that's like the later bloomer <laughs> of the the person got into the fandom mine was like high school i was like 17 or 18 when i first watched like the whole series it's still valid still valid yeah oh 100 percent. welcome yeah. to the cult <laughs> <laughs> but it is cool though seeing like all these new fans come in from you know being able to have the access to netflix and just watching all these people like all over the place just fall in love with the show that you know we all have loved for as long as we have you know and the new generation of kids doing it too. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so great. I mean, every yeah. age can enjoy it. That's why it's so awesome. For sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then there's like that aspect of just like, oh my gosh, it's really that old. I'm really that old, really. <laughs> what? Don't don't mention it. Don't talk about that. <laughs> I know. We don't, we don't I watched just Focus on the Positive. The only episode I actually ended up positive. watching was it wasn't even a full episode. I literally watched like the last like 10 minutes or so of Crossroads of Destiny season two's finale, which I mentioned in the previous episode. We just recorded about it. Um, but I just remember like being absolutely mesmerized by it and then not watching it again until like high school. <laughs> so <laughs> it lived in my head rent feet free for almost 10 years. So it's got to it's got to leave some sort of impact. Right. So for those of you out there or for those of our listeners out there who haven't heard of Legend of Genji, um, can y'all give like a brief synopsis of what this story is about? Absolutely. Um, the Legend of Genji follows the story of the Earth Avatar after Avatar Korra. Uh, but there is one little problem, and that is. For some reason, people don't really know who the Avatar actually is, and there's been some confusion. Avatar Korra's sudden and tragic death in Ba Sing Se left the world in a very uncertain and highly unstable position. Uh, and tenuous peace was finally achieved when Avatar Luan was discovered by the White Lotus. Luan is the perfect Avatar and is a source of great hope and pride for the Earth Federation, a war-torn country still recovering from centuries of instability and dysfunction. Uh, but this happy facade is, of course, shattered when the identity of the Avatar comes into question. And that happens when a sandbender in the Siwang Desert enters the Avatar state. And so switch to Genji. Uh, he is a delinquent sandbender and has a bit of an attitude problem, but he is indeed the true Avatar and the story's protagonist. Uh, so Genji is forced to flee his home and he embarks on a journey to reunite with his family uh, and along the way, chance and circumstance and a lot of drama will cause him to cross paths with several really fun characters. Um, so, for example, Aiko Hibana, the daughter of the Fire Nation ambassador to the Earth Federation. Kao Seng, yes, the son of Janora and Kai. And Nami, a peculiar girl with a very strange secret. Um, so their story is so complicated. 
uh, and it's it's a mix of 70s politics and modern considerations of like environmentalism and global unrest and a genuine distrust of government institutions and such. Uh, and it's kind of our playground uh, to explore our own ideas, our own identities, as well as the evolution of this universe and franchise that we all adore. Uh, so that is just a quick synopsis of where the story starts. And I'm super excited for you guys to find out how it continues. I'm excited to find out too. Like oh, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Seriously. So I just, I just wanted to ask like, what gave you guys the initial idea to set out and create this story? And what's the process been like? I know, especially cause your team, you guys are all over the world at this point. So what has that been like for you guys? Yeah, and I can start this off and I invite Juan and Dre to also chime in whenever. Um, <laughs> the simple answer is I was in my freshman year of college, CORE just ended and I was devastated and I missed it. I was hungry for content <laughs> and simultaneously really, really bored in class. And the only way I could focus was to doodle on the margins of my notes. And so I was just like, I wonder what the next avatar would be like. And I had already drawn myself as a bender before and kept doing it. And then suddenly I was drawing the next avatar and it all collided into a beautiful mess. Uh, and then it became a way for me to study in a way. So I would be, I studied East Asian studies in college and there were ways that I could remember events and years and histories by inserting those references into the story. And so it became a study tool and then it never left me alone. And I just, it kept growing and growing. Um, and so I started doing concept art for fun as just a creative outlet. And I put that stuff on Tumblr, it gained a lot of traction. And eventually I was like, well, the story's not going anywhere, so I might as well just do it. Uh, and I created the first chapter uh, on my own and it was so much work. I realized it's never gonna happen if it's by myself. I don't have the ability to drive myself without others keeping me accountable to deadlines and such. Um, and so I also really valued the input that I was getting as reactions to the concept art I was putting out. People would say, oh, what about this? Why, oh, he could wear this instead. Or what if there was this kind of vendor on the team? Um, and so it became like this groundswell of fan ideas and nerdiness. Uh, and eventually I did a call for people to join the team. I had just moved to DC, didn't have any friends in real life yet. And so I was really lonely. And it's like, oh, well, it'd be really cool to work on this project with other people. Uh, and eventually, people applied and we just started from there. Uh, so that's kind of the origin story there. And it's just blossomed into this wonderful, weird family ever since. So as of me, I've been following the account, the page on Tumblr for a very long time, like four years. Um, I think it started um, in 2016 when the whole thing started, I think. And um, I was like, oh my God, this is like such a cool idea. I mean not only was I in love with the concept art and like he was doing, but also um, the story was very coherent. It was like super logical and it made sense without it being too far-fetched or like, it, it didn't make me go, um, no, this, is, this wouldn't work, you know, in this situation. It actually made sense. Like uh, if I didn't know Mackie, I would have for sure said that she was a creator of the Avatar Last Friend or Legend of Korra team. Because uh, actually it made so much sense. And uh, I totally wanted to apply for uh, to be an artist. And I was one of the many anonymous questions uh, sent to the, to the Tumblr page. Most of them still unanswered, 
I must say. Sorry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then this magical day in 2019, I saw that they were um, what is called for artists to do to join the team. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cool! I would never get in. And so I think a friend of mine pushed me into it. And I applied on the last day. Actually, it was a deadline. I was like a few hours away from, from the deadline to, to, to finish. And um, I was like, anyways, I'm just doing this because of protocol, because I just have to do it. Uh, uh, then that'll be it. And then five magical days after, I woke up and I was like super sleepy. And I received an email from Mackie Dross. And I was like, oh, I know this girl. She's a creator of the team. And for some reason, I started reading the email and it read something like, congratulations, you're part of the team now. And I, since I was very sleepy and, you know, drowsy, I read it like, so sorry, you didn't get in. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I reread it and I was like, holy cow, I'm in. And I shouted. I actually screamed so much that I think my window shattered. Um, and so I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is totally happening. And... I started to tell everyone, and I was like, I'm in this. And people were like, what again? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> like, many people didn't care about it because they haven't either, you know, watched the whole series or know about Avatar. But I was like, I was in cloud nine, basically. Um, and I was so, so happy about it. I, I still think it's one of my best moments in life um Aww, one of my milestones made me cry <laughs> no really really I, I think it's one of my you know biggest milestones and um well i haven't done much in life yet but still and i was so happy to join and as an artist like the one who's going to you know trace lines into the actual comic and i felt so honored so then again thank you mikey thank you you're amazing and make a lot of good art for us so <laughs> And also being the being the only Argentinian in the group was like, hmm, what is hot? <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> that, that was also interesting that I, I was able to meet people from around the world and hailing from different countries. So that's amazing. Such a good experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about you, Trey? What do you think? Um, I remember I found Mackie's uh, work, her her first chapter, very close before she started um, calling for applications. And I loved it. I, my heart skipped a beat when I saw it because I was like, oh my gosh, they're making like a, a third avatar. Like, is this legit? I thought it was. Oh. And, you know, when I found it, I'm like, oh, it's fan. I'm like, this is good. And then reading it, this is really good. And I followed, I was, re you know, silent lurker reading. And when, when the time came when she, uh, Mackie uh, asked for applicants to join the team, I had already applied to different projects here and there. I love to create. I love storytelling. It's been a big part of who I am and what I love to do. But I've never been able to like really do my own kind of story. Like I get, oh, here's an idea, specific scenes, specific characters, and that's it. No whole overarching story. But I love to collab with people. I love helping people. That's just a part of who I am. I just love working with others and sharing ideas or even helping their ideas um, come to life. And so I had like half-hearted applied to other projects. Like I, oh, it looks kind of interesting. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I, like I was in the mood. I was in the mood. I was had the itch. I want to do something. I can't do it on my own. I want to help somebody with their thing. And then when I saw, you know, oh, a, a new avatar, I love avatar. I love this project. I love the story, how it's coming out so far. I got to apply. And I was like so excited when I, I got accepted. 
I just was like, oh man, I don't actually have a lot of creative writing. I was an English major in my undergrad and I have a master of science in education. And I was like, I, most of my writing is like <laughs> technical, not creative. So I'm like, I took a poetry class. Let me submit some of my poetry and some an essay that I wrote. Let's, let's hope that works. And, and it to that point though, that's another thing that's really cool about the project though, and that we've kind of heard Juan and Dre and I'll echo it that we all have like this creative thirst, but nowhere to direct it. And so this became a great outlet for us to build our skills, um, to develop portfolios. I mean, none of us have had the opportunity to go to art school or to go to screenwriting school, right? Um, and so this has been our way to get into that field. Um, whether we end up pursuing careers in it or not, we get to participate and do it ourselves. And we have like the ultimate freedom and creative choice here. Uh, and so it's been a really, really cool way for all of us to just get better at stuff together. Like Dre, your writing has just become so good. It makes me cry. And your ideas are so rich. <laughs> and Wanma, like, oh my goodness, obviously we've had this conversation a million times over, but comparing your portfolio that you submitted with the work you're doing now and the line art that I think is mine at first. And then I have to do a double take. Like, oh wait, that's Wands. What? So, oh, please. yeah, it's, it's really cool. We're all learning so much from each other and especially culturally. Um, I think that's what separates this fan project from any other avatar one. It's that it's made up, but the project is made up of people from all over the world, contributing different perspectives on historic events, on modern events, um, different perspectives on like this COVID-19 crisis over the last year. Like our experiences have been so vastly different depending on where we live. And that has been eye-opening and has humbled a lot of the United States citizens on the team in particular. And so it creates a much more authentic voice, I think in the story in general and in our artwork as well, um, because we can actually take inspiration from different visual cultures and you know synthesize them in a way that is both honest, imaginative, uh, but still honors the original source, right? Right. I know we've talked to other people that have worked on similar projects like this, and a lot of them have said that the COVID crisis actually gave them time to finally start devoting their, their attention to these kinds of personal projects. Do you, I know you guys started this before COVID hit, but did you, did you feel that the COVID crisis gave you guys more time to sort of dedicate a, a lot of your focus onto it? At least for me, in a very paradoxical way, no. So even though I had more time than I've ever had in my life, you know, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the the underlying anxiety and fear and just instability of where I was, where my family was, where the world was, prevented me from becoming inspired again. It prevented me from sitting down and focusing on tasks. Gotcha. So that is something that I think many people on the team experienced. Um, but it's strange, though, because we did get applicants who would never have applied had they had time and not been in the pandemic. So it was this double-edged sword where... On one hand, it gave us incredible opportunities to do new things and the Avatar stuff going on Netflix in last May during the height of the pandemic meant that our popularity just took off too because people were binging the series really quickly, binging Korra, right. and then suddenly had nothing to do. And so then they'd stumble across our project. So in a way, the pandemic has been a weird blessing, um, but it's had it's forced us to confront our own like balance of needs versus creative needs versus what we owe to fans. Right. Um, and so that's been a very tough journey over the last six, seven months. 
but I think that we've come to a better understanding that we need to take care of ourselves and our families first. Um, I don't know, Juan and Dre, if you had any experiences you want to talk about with that too. I totally agree with you in that I thought I would have more time uh, because of the pandemic in spite of my job and my studies. Um, but then I realized that, like you mentioned, there's anxiety, there's uncertainty, and those things are basically ad blockers for creativity and stuff. Exactly. Um, That's a great metaphor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I felt really insecure, not only about my personal skills for the team, and that made me go, you know, backwards. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I felt encouraged to do more things during the pandemic. Now I am in a good place again. So I feel like super sure of myself. I'm confident and ready to give it all, uh, to give it all I got, basically. Um, what about you, Dre? Um, it was a mix for me. It, for, in the first half, um, like before the pandemic happened, I was working in a job at a school where um, kids were psychologically troubled. They had experienced severe trauma and were very socially inept and prone to outbreak. We had to train to do holds on children of various sizes. And it was so like, I was like, okay, I'm out of, you know, my undergrad, I'm getting started on a job, I'll have more time for Genji. And then this job happened and I was so stressed and I was starting my master's and that was a, you know, go to work in the morning, go to school in the evening. And I was like, where's my time for Genji? I had to give up uh, a side friend project. Like, how long is this going to go for? And then the pandemic hit, we all were quarantined and I didn't have to go to school and put children into holds, which was, you know, you get emotionally attached to those kids and then they right. suddenly react, lash out like that. And it's just it's heartbreaking. And to be take a break from that. And all I had to do really was just, my teacher would sometimes be like, hey, can you find some resources? And then college was super easy all of a sudden because no one knew what to do like yeah. for pandemic and the professors were like really lenient. Yeah. I started becoming much more active in the Discord, in the writing projects, taking on more tasks. And yeah, it just was kind of like a turnaround mid-COVID that um, once things were different, I moved on to a new job, things became less stressful and I had so much more time. That's interesting. Well, I it's it's interesting what um Mackie what you said about how the pandemic afforded you guys a lot mm -hmm. of opportunities that you wouldn't have if it didn't happen because I mean, the pandemic is mostly the reason why this podcast is even here to begin with. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to speak for Kayla, but at least for me, I was woefully unemployed and bored. <laughs> so, it, it if the pandemic hadn't happened, it, we wouldn't yeah. be here today. And it did also, I had, I definitely feel what you guys are saying about like the anxiety, the uncertainty, it, but this show really just got me through like the back half of 2020, just being able to get through the craziness and the election and all this crazy shit that was yeah. happening. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. We also too got a lot of great reception almost right off the bat when we, when we put the show out, cause we were also among a crop of other really good avatar podcasts that were coming out at the same time. And I think you're right. I think people were just really hungry for more avatar after they had finished binging the first two shows and kind of wanted to close ranks because they knew that they felt comfortable and safe with something like avatar. So, yeah. yeah. And it just speaks to the strength of the franchise and the world and the complexity and depth of it and the creators. Yeah. I mean, 
Nickelodeon didn't value that as much as they should have. Mm, and now we're absolutely. seeing it 10 plus years later, still going so strong. Avatar Studios can... coming in the future, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> I mean, for me, with the starting the podcast, like I was uh 10 i was i was doing an internship so i technically was employed but i was not swimming i was a student athlete division one um recently retired now but i didn't have swimming so i had like way more free time than i ever had in my life so with the uh you know being able to kind of dedicate time to something that had given me comfort uh in high school and revisiting it uh you know with a different perspective almost five years later you know it's it's absolutely it's just it has been a really interesting and incredible experience for sure. And being able to meet people like you, you know, all of you who are making some awesome things happen in our fandom. Um, well, y'all mentioned how uh, you know like rich the world is. Well, you know, I'm looking at the website that y'all made, and if you haven't been to the Legend of Genji website, go check that out because it provides so much really interesting information. It is comprehensive, seriously, and I love I, it. I love the details, <laughs> like oh, yeah. But basically, like I'm just kind of curious what it was like to take what we saw happen at the end of Korra and kind of weave a story out of. What little we know about what happened in Republic City after the end of Korra and then kind of transitioning into a new time period in this universe. What was it like to kind of continue the story from there? Yeah, and I can really quickly start that off and then pass it along to Juan and Dre, who've worked a lot with the writing team to like flesh out the details. So starting off, it became my playground for international relations theory, actually, because that's what I studied in school. And so I watched the last episode of Korra and then like I said, used this as a framework for a study tool. And then I was like, oh, I wonder what liberalist Confucianist stuff I can get out of this. And just like putting all <laughs> kinds of ideas and different things like, oh, how would this nation react? What if there was a trade embargo? Oh no, like, it was so <laughs> complicated and stupid. Juan and Dre have read the original plot document that I sent out to the team at the very beginning. It was hundreds of pages. It included all this jargon that no one understands if they're not in the political science field. And I mean, I was at a state department internship at one point and was just taking notes notes about what was happening in the press room like oh okay okay I'm gonna add that to the story it was so bad <laughs> it became like my way of understanding like international relations in the world right and so, so cool, if though. people pay attention especially in the beginning you're going to see influences of the Syrian crisis you're going to see influences of more surveillance state in uh, East Asia and China in particular um, also the Uyghur crisis that was you know always an issue that is definitely a big part of the story as well because you know, the sandbenders are partially based on Uyghur populations, also the Tuareg and the Bedouins. Uh, but yeah, so it's been really fun <laughs> is the short answer to that uh, question. Just experimenting with it and just having a lot of fun. So Juan or Dre? I can add for sure that um, it's been nice trying to make this or to have these actual real history, you know, events blend into the Alatraverse and how for some reason many people think that history is you know super boring and we can make that boring thing into an actual interesting and rich um you know tool for us to make the story and i think it's amazing but other than that i don't really do yeah especially yeah for kids mm -hmm. or teenagers for like a oh, fuck history um that this brings like a real notion um of actual world problems and i think that's a very valuable thing to do and i think it's interesting how you guys mentioned um 
the website and how rich and detailed it is because honestly like I hope I'm not revealing too much um but uh we have so much written <laughs> like lore building world building character building especially for characters who are from Korra and we had to cut down so much to make the little blurbs and also high key <laughs> I feel like oh is it too much cut down or and big shout out to Courtney and Caitlin who have been like spearheading the for sure. creation of the website all of that content that you're reading was written by them yeah wow like, again it's like i mean just it just makes me so excited learning more about like you know because like, the, the, the website when you look at it there's different like there's explorations of like different groups within the nations that we hadn't you know seen in the uh you know the both series that we have and just adding on to the already rich lore and adding to you know sandbenders which we saw a few times in the series kind of even adding to you know more of that like more of their culture like oh I, I, I live for this stuff like I you know. the reason that I find it so engaging is that it's why I loved Legend of Korra so much because I mean contrary to to some people's opinions I think the logical progression of that universe made sense mm -hmm. you know the way things spanned out over those 70 years between series just made sense to me like of course there would be a united republic of course they would be diversifying bending and not making it such like a traditional martial art anymore just making it a part of everyday culture but i remember you guys were i remember like seeing you guys put out like these different like infographics about like what the earth kingdom is like now what the fire nation is like now and i just want to point out that when we were covering rise of kiyoshi i would not shut up about how the Earth Kingdom just needs to be broken up into states because it's too big and no one <laughs> has ever control of it. And I was reading the Earth Federation article and it literally says it's been broken up to different states because it's just too big. And I'm like, yeah. they get it. They get it. They finally get it. <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, if anyone who's listening, if you guys haven't visited the website and read these awesome articles about where the world is in this time period, definitely, it's so interesting. Definitely go check it out. Um, so earlier on in the episode, when you were giving us a synopsis, you were talking about Luan, who is the avatar, but like not really. Mm -hmm. And I was really interested in this in this concept because this is also kind of shit. It's a shared plot point that was in the Rise of Kyoshi, which actually came out after you guys started Genji, if I'm correct, because it came out in 2019. You guys were already starting on the project. First, I would love to know like what the logic was behind making that decision for your story. Mm -hmm. And also, if you read Rise of Kyoshi and you thought oh god we can't can we use that anymore like like what was your reaction to hearing that that was a very big plot point that both of your stories shared yeah and so on the surface it seems like it's a shared plot point but in reality it's very different um and i think once the story's out and like things are revealed people will understand how different it is um so the story the concepts for the story like Juan mentioned were out by 2016 and I always knew I wanted a dual avatar issue um and the reason is this is actually based on a huge controversy uh, controversy in Chinese history um so the two avatar issue is actually inspired by the 11th Panchen Lama controversy so there are a lot of people who don't know about this but um in Tibetan Buddhism the Panchen Lama is the second holiest spiritual leader. So not the Dalai Lama, but the Panchen Lama. And following the 10th Panchen Lama's death in around 1995 or something, uh, the 14th Dalai Lama actually recognized his reincarnation as a little boy in China. Um, just days later, after it was announced, that little boy and his family vanished. 
And it is thought that potentially officials in the government of the People's Republic of China abducted the child and his family um, in order to take control of, you know, the Tibetan people in this way. So using a puppet as a replacement that would follow their controlled whims and such. Um, obviously, things aren't proven and it is still kind of up in the air and unknown what his the child's fate is, but he was considered the youngest political prisoner um, and it's thought that he's probably passed away. Uh, and so obviously there have been competing visions of this situation. Um, some folks believe one thing, some folks believe another, but it is the fact that there was a state installed religious spiritual leader. Uh, and that's where it actually comes from. And it's actually, it connects to modern issues now as well because the Dalai Lama is advancing in age and he's already told his followers and the world that he does not intend if he has control to reincarnate within the borders of the People's Republic of China because he doesn't want a repeat of this situation. And so oh. it is such a complicated issue. Um, and it is in a way because it's complicated, it's very rich and has so much potential to be expanded upon and explored. Uh, so that's where it comes from. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, the rise of Kyoshi is different because uh, Yun, Avatar Yun, was an accident, whereas Luan was calculated. And everyone will understand that soon. Um, but my reaction to Rise of Kyoshi is that I actually haven't read it because I didn't want it influencing my choices. Right. I will say the, the, the similar name Kalsang and Kelsang. I have to argue that Tibetan names are really hard to pronounce. And that's one of the only Tibetan names that's easy for English speakers. And so that's why I think mm. that was similar there. Also, it's a great name. The joy yeah. part is that we can just say that Janora was inspired by this really prolific airbender in the past, right? Um, oh, so it kind of like works. You can like kind of make it work with your narrative as well. Oh, exactly. I love that. So we're obviously overjoyed that the canon has been expanded because it gives us like rich details to work through. Um, the writing team is in charge of like finding little things, updating our histories, making sure everything is coherent in the established lore. Um, and then I'm kind of over here like, cool. I can't wait to read it when our story's out. <laughs> it's it's absolutely worth the read though. Yeah. Andre and I both loved it. Um, awesome. And yeah. yeah, yeah, we definitely have we have some people on the writing team who have read it, so we do have that for other like writing to member teams. But all gotcha, yeah, definitely for Mac. And YouTube. I de I definitely sure. think it's very likely that FCE also drawed upon what you were talking about, Mackie, um, to kind of come up with that. But also, again, it's like a logical thing. Like, it's bound to happen. Yeah. After 10,000 years of Avatar, there's bound to be one of them that was misidentified. Exactly. Right? So I think that's really interesting. And I'd love to see how this pans out, especially with, like, again, a more modernized world in Avatar and how that kind mm -hmm. of, like you know gels i mean together. legend of Korra briefly touched on what it was like to be you know the avatar when there's a time period where technology was advancing you know the movers yeah. and you know media expanding so it's i mean it's all a little bit about media and again as a you know journalism student or graduated journalism student that stuff got like awesome you know got me excited um but you know just like kind of being you know it's, <laughs> i'm really excited to see how y'all explore like you know being the avatar in way more under public scrutiny than ever before yeah you, if you're gonna nerd out because media and like publicity and expectations and pressures are a huge part of the story for luan in particular so put awesome. on that journalism hat <laughs> i'm just imagining luan having like a, a facebook page like yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So it's kind of like a two part question. Um, so what are some of the challenges and some of the, you know, joys of putting this collaborative webcomic together? 
So what I've definitely loved about this, uh, like I mentioned before, I love collabing. And so the fact that we could just like work together, I love being like on phone call, like or discord calls when anybody else is on like, okay, I'm going to jump on this and let's talk ideas. And it's just so fun. That's my, um, where I find that my creative juices flow the most is when I can talk and bounce ideas off with, with other people. And especially, um, I've done it a lot with Courtney. Courtney is like such a great like person to chat about ideas with. And it's just like, oh, what is this? What is that? Oh, oh my gosh, the symbolism, the deepness of it. Oh, we're... and it was like just a, like a concept that was just like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll throw that in. Like now we've made it have purpose. And just like, that's my favorite part is taking a generalized thing and honing in on it, deepening it, detailing it. Um, I love that everyone is just so passionate about it because like I feel like especially um, in the modern day of education uh, group projects kind of have a very negative like, it, right. like group project. <laughs> oh everyone has a bad memory of a group project gone wrong several but because people just you know oh you do all the work I don't want to do it but because everyone is so passionate everyone wants to give it their all everyone wants to contribute and give ideas and uh, talk about other people's ideas and work together it's so great uh, that's my favorite part about being on this team. And honestly, like I tend to be very blind towards uh, or just not registering any kind of like drama or like butting of heads. But like, honestly, I don't see a lot of like conflict in the team. Like, even if there's like a conflict of ideas, people have, someone has one idea, some has another idea. I think this person should go this way. I think this character or this art should go that way. Everyone is so respectful of each other's ideas and um how should I explain it like the, where they're coming from because more often than not uh something that people when we have ideas that we're really passionate about it's because we connect with it on some kind of personal level so it's like oh you might think oh, I don't really like that idea that they have for that character but I respect that it's because that concept has such a meaning to them so honestly the, the most difficult part I would say is getting everyone to meet at the same time <laughs> because right. all the different time zones. It's so hard to get yeah. everyone on one team to meet at the same time. <laughs> so if hard. we could get sponsored by the website, when is good, we'd make millions. <laughs> <laughs> when is good. Yeah, I mean, to that point, the different time zones and different like resources and different tools of the trade, that is definitely a big challenge. Um, and I mean, we navigate it though. Um, English as a second language can be a challenge sometimes, but we're seeing folks improve really steadily. I'm learning some Portuguese at this point because it's in oh. my vernacular every day. <laughs> um, so the joy is obviously all these different perspectives. The fact that we're constantly learning with each other and propelling each other forward. Um, now a con sort of more like just a challenge, yeah. something that is forcing me to grow as a manager is managing a bunch of people and doing this as a volunteer project. So finding ways to intrinsically motivate people to do their work since we don't have any compensation. Um, right. Doing some HR on the side if there are disagreements and like just doing the typical team lead stuff. Uh, and so that can be challenging when all I wanna do is draw concept art. But I remember that this is like a family and families like gotta, gotta get stuff done. We gotta work together. Um, and a challenge also, again, is like circling back to the part that we're not paid for this. We're doing this completely free. It's rough sometimes because I know, especially during the pandemic, when a lot of us lost our jobs, we had to focus on other things. Um, and so 
a challenge of bringing the collaborative webcomic to life is that it is a volunteer project and fans forget that a lot. Um, and so we know it is taking a long time and it's we've been working on this for years. Yeah. But it is a labor of love. It is so worth the wait. I'm very proud of what we're putting together. Uh, and just because, you know, it's not out yet doesn't mean it's not worth waiting for. And also, also like we're putting out content all the time. And I think it's so cool to see people <laughs> getting excited about our ideas. And we're finally able to start sharing so much of what we've been holding in all this time. And, uh, you know, if Avatar Studios wants to pick us up and hire us, I mean, I'm... <laughs> of course. I mean, also, you're right. Your social media is is popping yes. all the time. And Thank I love you. it. <laughs> Again, Courtney, Caitlin, uh, Indy, uh, Dre, uh, Juan doing some last minute art for us all the time. I, I was just thinking of this question as I was hearing your answers. Um, because it is a, a passion project, it's a volunteer project. How do you guys personally sort of balance that between, you know, like your work life and you just this life where you're dedicating all this time to this project? Do you feel that it can be some days it's a challenge, some some days it's like completely, you know, fine? Like what what has that been like for you guys? Because obviously you've put in a lot of time and I'm just very interested in how you like maintain that balance. Absolutely. I mean, for me, drawing takes time. Um, and there's some days where I just can't do it. Um, also, I've recently been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and so I've been having to prioritize my health and my joint health, uh, which can be super frustrating and disheartening. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's another reason that I've been experiencing delays in productivity. But because we're all really good friends now, we just talk all the time regardless. Uh, and so like Courtney, Juan, and Indy, and I in particular as like the team leads are just always talking to each other. Um, and so if we can't motivate ourselves to do work, we can at least motivate ourselves to just be there for each other and, you know, like maintain that community, especially during COVID-19. If we felt like we couldn't prioritize the work and we just didn't have the stamina at that point, we yeah. were still talking about Avatar and we were still joking and making inside jokes and memes about the characters and stuff like that. Um, and that kind of joy and creative juice is still flowing is, I think, what keeps people around. Um so uh, this is my hobby and my creative outlet, and I get a lot of fulfillment from it. So, you know, that's my part of the answer. Um, I don't know. Dre, do you have something to add? Well, I guess for me, the beginning of this, when I first joined, I found um, it kind of difficult to take creative charge of what I was assigned, like doing the little ICO blurb. Uh, that was my job. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take all the stuff Mackie's written and I'm going to make it all nice and add it, you know, you know, edit it. Cause that's how I viewed my job as a writing sport at the time. And I was like, oh, where's the other stuff? I was like, oh, there's no other stuff. You know, you, you just make it up. I'm like, I can't make it up. <laughs> Mackie's work and Mackie's character. I can't just make something up and make it pan into our work. I can't do it. I was like so stuck on that. And but just like getting to, to know everyone, getting really into work, I feel like I've been able to come more into um, my creative self and really help out and add more to um, like put in more effort because like my balance was just like I could put in some effort to uh, Genji, but I'm also kind of shy and I'm lurking a bunch and oh, how can I, how can I dare add, you know, this is Mackie's work this is Mackie stuff I must do as Mackie says <laughs> and then just you know getting to know each other become friends and realize you know I can just make up an idea and if it's you know 
needs changing, we'll all work it out and talk it out and it's fine. And so for me, it just, it has become something so enjoyable and talking and chatting is for me, it's just like, oh, this is my fun thing to do when I get home from work or when I have a break or like, you know, my kids, my students are, um, doing their recess or their free time, I'd like take out my little Genji notebook and I'm just <laughs> down ideas right. or working on my assignment and like, oh, this is a fun thing. This makes brain go burr. <laughs> Juan, did you want to um, chime in about like the, the balance of, of, you know, maintaining like your personal life and also working on this pro- kind of project? Um, I don't really have issues trying to, you know, balancing my um, personal life and, and the project itself. Um, personally, I have lots of, I'm a teacher and uh, I have lots of students who also love Avatar. So it's nice to merge the content of my lessons with actual Avatar lessons, life lessons. <laughs> and, uh, no, really, I'm viral and uh, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I am a low level English teacher and, um, most of them are like super engaged when, when we talk about Avatar and that brings the best in them. Um, so that's a really good, cool tool for that. And, uh, I've always been like, giving them uh, gifts and drawings for their good, you know, um, endeavors during the class. And they're all avatar related. Um, So that's fantastic that I can, you know, merge avatar with my actual work. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, I think like, honestly, just because another aspect of why it's so easy to balance it, because it doesn't, I mean, we're putting in a lot of work, but it doesn't feel so much like work is also that the team and especially Mackley is so understanding when we need to take back, take a break, everyone else comes forward. I definitely would compare it to um, if anyone has ever been in choir that everyone staggers their breathing. So there's not like a big choir (gasps) at one rest in the song that everyone staggers their breathing to take a break take a breath and keep singing everyone will support you and keep singing so that your um breath is not heard you can take your break that's so much like what um this group is is like like if you need to take take a break people will come in and support you help you take over any um uh project or assignment that you're working on and just be there for you and that makes it so like oh man i can take a break when i need to and I can come back to it and these people are wonderful to work with and I love it. So it just, it makes it so much more like rewarding and easy to just put in so much. That's awesome. That's I, awesome. I totally agree. I totally agree because there's a saying in Argentina um, that says to suck somebody else's socks, which means to over compliment someone without needing to. And I don't mean to suck Mackie's socks or the team socks, (laughs) (laughs) but I've never felt safer and, you know, taken care of in my life when it comes to this group. Um, I've been through many things and this team has supported me in everything, in every way possible. Mackie, she's the best. She's not my boss. She's my friend. Um, She's like a sister to me. We're actually twins because yeah. we were born the same day. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The king and the queen of Scorpius. <laughs> um, and um, so this team is full of, you know, I feel like it's a family. I have never bickered with anybody on the team, but I wouldn't feel insecure or uncomfy that came to happen because we're just a big family um, mm-hmm. and we take care of each other. And I 
have to say that I love you, Mackie. I love you, Dre. I love everybody on the team. And shout out to, to everybody who's doing a tremendous effort every day to bring um, and to create this, this comic we all love. Absolutely. And just circling back, none of this would exist without Avatar. And that's what's so awesome about modern nerd culture. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And can I just say, just from just following you guys for the past couple of months, it honestly really shows that your team is like so functional and like I can just tell that you guys are so aware of, of the fact that it is a volunteer project. So of course there's gonna be, you know, things that you can't really control, especially with a team as large as yours, but it's really heartwarming to hear that you guys are like always there for each other in that sort of way. So it's it's just really heartwarming. Yeah. Um so I know I've talked about the website a lot. I'm sorry, I'm just obsessed with it. No, please, I love the website. Uh, <laughs> love people know the website. But um, I know praise Courtney <laughs> and Indy more. <laughs> they deserve it. <laughs> I love it. My favorite. So my favorite thing about this website, um, if you go into the world information, every article ends with how does the blank feel about LGBT people, mm. and um, and this is how I found out that Julie becomes president. Of United, the United Republic, which honestly, thank God, because fuck Raiko. I, like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, since it's Pride Month, I, I did want to talk about this. And also, thanks to Julie, there have been laws passed in the United Republic to protect queer people from discrimination. So love that for her, uh, queer ally Julie. Um, but she did can, the thing, guys. She did the thing. She did the gay thing. Um, can you guys talk about some of the LGBTQ characters that are included in your story? Namely, General Iroh's secret boyfriend. Because when y'all posted that, I was like, absolutely. I am on board 1000%. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, so far, we've got only two confirmed LGBTQ members in the story. Those being Cal Seng and um, Iroh the second. But... They have different backstories after, as of um, their own experience being part of this community. So Kelsang's heritage is basically airbending, open-mindedness, everything's nice, shining stars. So he, he never had a rough time dealing with his own self, basically with himself. Um, he's always had supportive family, friends. Um, so he was like, yay, I'm living the dream. As opposed to Arrow, who is not only is a Fire Nation citizen, but he's also part of the royal family. And being part of the royal family means that you have to stick with rules. And those rules are very backwards, maybe, and traditionalist. And we're still in it, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Maggie, we're still in a time where Sozin's legacy hasn't yet vanished uh, regarding you know, these anti-LGBTQ, you know, thing going on. And I think even though Avatar Chorus um, Mark left on the world, improved uh, the way of LGBTQ people around the world in Avatar, I think the Fire Nation still has a long way to go when it comes to, you know, accepting and tolerating. Um, and I think there's a bunch of, uh, homophobic traditionalist people in Fire Nation who will do anything. Uh, so, you know, this activity, uh, you know, takes place in the Fire Nation. And Arrow, the second, in my opinion, had a very rough time, you know, keeping his private life secret, having this mysterious 
boyfriend. So it's like drama. It was like actual royal drama. Yeah. They were um, having an Oprah interview and they kind of like kind of spilled the Fire Nation secrets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to put that in the comic, guys. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> and we must. Like we, when we're talking about that, it just goes to show like change as much as Cora is a freaking queen, change and broad cultural change and unlearning toxic behaviors and habits doesn't happen overnight. And it's unrealistic to expect that you can aspire to it, but you also have to operate within the system to change it sometimes. And I mean, right. different positions, different allies, people can attack this issue from outside, inside, or somewhere in between. Right. Um, and it's the case that Iroh had to make a lot of very painful decisions to live his best life, but now he does. And the team right now is having an in side team competition to do the design for his boyfriend and my god you guys will not be disappointed um <laughs> oh my god I'm so uh, to clarify one point too is that just because Kalsing and Iroh are the only ones out to the fans right now that doesn't mean that the others aren't going to discover these identities as they progress we have to remember they're pretty young and while some young people know right off the bat who they are and who they love and what they want a lot of us don't. And a lot of us yeah. discover that as we mature and as we age and our characters are even from a writing perspective, we're still learning from them and they haven't necessarily figured themselves out yet. Um, and so we're just waiting for them to reveal themselves. Now we have some strong shippers on this team. My God, every single one of y'all <laughs> are driving me crazy. Oh <laughs> Not me, not me. <laughs> I claim innocence on this one. There are very, very strong feelings in competing competing ships at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just like, okay, everyone, I'll make the final decision later. <laughs> Kenji, what, what do you like? I can't hear you. Yeah, so it's, um, it's a party. Uh, but folks, you, there will be individuals who are non-binary. There will be individuals who are gay, lesbian, straight, demi, ace, um, you know, some people say that inclusion is pandering. I say that it's not, and it's important to be seen and be heard. And it's important to tell these stories and explore these stories uh, with authenticity, with curiosity, uh, with, you know, staying humble. Um, and a lot of folks reacted poorly to our decision about Iroh. And you know what? Parallel universes, this is just our choice for our story. So we can set up a lot more complex themes in the Fire Nation in the second book and beyond. And so this was our narrative choice. If you don't like it, we can always fall back on the fact that we are not canon. Hey, so you yeah. can't be mad at us. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That's kind of our, yeah, our secret weapon of like, it's you don't like best. it. It's the best. Ain't canon. So why are you so upset? Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not right. canon. You can have your own head canon. We have ours. Everything's great. Yeah. Um, and so in short, the LGBTQ family and beyond, um, I hope that they find comfort in our story. And just the right level of escapism where it shouldn't matter and realism so that we can acknowledge their struggle and help get the word out, right? I do think it's definitely very important to uh, mention, Becky, because I was I was uh, thinking of that too. Like we make sure like we take such careful um, steps in order to include and represent respectfully and authentically. And we have in-depth discussions we talk about it we're trying to find exactly like Mackie said that balance of escapism and realism because we know everyone's different some people love that escapism they don't have to think about it others find comfort in reading a story that's similar to their own and knowing that they're not alone especially if through that struggle um, those characters can find a happy ending 
for themselves after all that struggle. And it's just something that we are so, so, so careful about. And we don't want to take for granted or make quick decisions like half-heartedly. Like we're really, really trying to make this something that people can read and go, hey, look, there's me. That's awesome. No, and, and that's also a very fine line to walk too. you know, to the escapism and also the the reality of the situation in this world, you know. Um, and we talk about it on the show all the time, like the idea, of, like the, like forced diversity. It's just, there's no such thing. It's just life. It's just diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's real life. It's we see it every day. Yeah. You know, and especially because Cora really like launched this queer movement in like cartoons it's, after it. Yeah. To show that no kids do want to see this. They can see this. Kids understand. Yeah. Kids understand exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I love that that you guys have taken that consideration into your own story. It's also cool to see how like I mean I I'm just so excited to see more gay characters in like fantasy to begin with. Cause that's just like few and far between. I don't just want to watch lesbians like on a CW show or something. I want to watch like I want to watch them like, you know, be in some far off universe. Yeah, cute I want to. I want it to kick butt and then kiss after they're done. You right. know, like. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm sorry. I think. I think Becky, you're trying to say something. Oh, and I mean, just really quickly, jumping off that forced diversity, diversity for the sake of diversity stuff, right? We decided that uh, collectively as a team, and this is something that's been very important to us, is the lack of black representation in Avatar. And just because, you know, we can't really blame the creators for that because the creators had a vision and a setting and they stuck to it. But, you know, in modern times and especially like emerging from the Black Lives Matter movement, we realize more than ever that, you know, we need those people to be seen on TV. I want my best friend to be able to cosplay and just nail it, right? And so we introduced a new subculture within the Earth Federation called the Ocean Folk who are a mix of earthbenders and waterbenders. And it's evolved into this really beautiful pseudo-Polynesian, pseudo-Native American, pseudo-tribal sort of group um, that is have, has a lot of influences from my tribe in particular. Uh, and it's really cool. And Juan has spearheaded like the development of that along with Caitlin, one of our writers. Um, and so one of our characters, a Dai Li uh, agent named Maya, who is Luan's bodyguard, um, she hails from that culture. And so that was a decision that we made when it came to diversity, when it came to expanding the universe and the canon in our own ways. Um, and I think it was a choice that allowed like Black, Asian, um, Afro-Asian individuals to also feel represented in this futuristic slash fantasy East Asian culture that's really beautiful and cool. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, I'm just looking at the designs now. I absolutely love the inclusion of something like this and also the the really cool floating cities uh, made of clay and yes. vine. Again, it's something that you would expect to see in, in a world like this, you know, especially like the the idea of, of people using their elements to create their own safe spaces, you know, in that sort of way. So I really, really love that. So what has like been the fan response from those who, you know, aren't in the people, aren't in the group of people working on the project? Like what's been the outside response, I should say? Well, Avatar has a really rich fan community and there are so many amazing Avatar fan comics out there. Um, to name a couple that like we partnered with in the past, there's um, Legend of Hanami, there is uh, Legend of Nico, 
gosh, there's so many. If you go on our Instagram, we have stories that highlight all kinds of different avatar stories because the fans are rising to the occasion and creating the content they want to see, right? Um, so I just want to give them a really quick shout out. Of course. Avatar New Beginnings, which follows Avatar Hanami, the Avatar after Wan. Tashi and Nima, which explores the experience of two airbender nomads during and after the genocide. Introspection of a Deserter, which follows Zhang Zhang's story, and it is a fantastic watercolor piece. Um, and it has a lot of LGBTQ plus themes, so definitely give them a look. Uh, an additional one would be Legend of Nico uh, by the fantastic Emily Monroe, uh, which follows the Avatar after Korra. Avatar New Era is another Earth avatar. Hikar Spiritual Chronicles, um, created by The Amazing Parker, who is actually an artist on our team. Um, and then one last one would be Legend of Vani, which follows a firebender um, after Korra. And so all of these are really fantastic. Their art is impeccable. Their ideas are really good and unique and diverse. And so definitely give them a look. Well, personally, I think we're receiving um, a tremendous positive, um, you know, answer from from the fans i think what we're doing um entices them uh but something i was uh talking with dre a few minutes ago is that it's easy to honing the negative comments uh it's like you tend to scope in on them uh and but that that's not something that should um you know drive us back i mean we have to always remember and this is like catchphrase of Nike. we have to remember why we're here, uh, why we're exactly doing this. And it's for fun and because we love this universe and because in the end, it's a fan comic. Uh, it's basically that. For sure. And like we have um, on our Discord, a little like social media tab. And sometimes we share like uh, responses from fans like, oh, look what this person said. Oh, this one was really funny. Oh, this one had like a, like a very interesting, like thoughtful response. And every once in a while, it's like, you know, a, a grumpus comp- comment or just a really bizarre, like, it, 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 it takes you all get the kinds, whole you know, but of, for of feedback. But gosh darn, are they passionate. Exactly. And, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's cool that they're passionate about it. And it, it, it's definitely important to remember that a lot of these uh, fans are the new ones, the younger ones. And, like, I mean, how many times have you remembered, like, or have known somebody as a very young child, like going off on someone on the internet. So it's like, we take it, we don't take it to heart. Like if we see a negative comment here or there and we really like appreciate so much the positive um, feedback. And I love reading comments and uh, seeing people like love ideas. I um, uh, was assigned uh, the Beifongs for Where Are They in Genji? And it was so fun to read through the comments and be like, oh my gosh, I love that from the person. I'm like, (laughs) Yay, I'm glad you like my ideas. That's also another really cool part of not only your socials, but again, the website that I love is that you've also like written just a little history of like where the characters in Korra are in this moment in time. And I swear every time I read them, I'm like, yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. Of course. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Like it just it just makes a whole lot of sense. Again, you guys are really right on the money with that stuff. Thank you. So, um, for anyone who's listening, I mean, if you're not <laughs> enticed at this point, I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, but uh, you guys actually have you've posted a prologue 
um on youtube um a, a year was it 2019 that you posted it mm-hmm. and it, i mean it's amassed 3.3 million views by the way so that's really awesome and again i remember watching this i'm not sure when i don't think even the po- this podcast was like around um i remember watching it <laughs> being like what is this and then i was watching it and then i saw um older asami crying and then i paused it i was like Take a second. Sorry, okay. sorry. It. And then I played Still and watched fine. the rest of it. I was like, I knew, I know exactly where this is going. I was like, but it's it's not canon. Don't hate us, guys. It's not canon. <laughs> We're not throwing hands. We're just processing our emotional pain. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> In preparation for this, I I told uh, uh, Kayla that yeah, they have a prologue, and I was like, just it's be sure be that sad. you're in an emotional, emotionally stable place to watch it. Because uh, I know you love Korra, and I know you love Asami, and I know you love Korasami. Just, just preparing you, you know. But it is, it is a very, very beautiful. Book. Sorry, Caleb. No, but like say? it's okay. Like I mean, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, it's the kind of pain when like you know, it's like it's like it's not. It's the kind of pain where it's like you're sad about you know. Like, I mean, even when like you know when they talk about Aang and like Legend of Korra, you know how sad that can be sometimes. Same thing, uh, you know, and also just like the. You know, just when you're attached to a character and it just shows like, you know, how much we love that character. And also just, you know, kind of like the changing of the seasons. You know, I'm excited to see what, you know, you know, stuff goes down in Genji's world. I am yeah, so hyped for whatever this uh, all this comes together. But in the meantime, I will be perusing the website and absor- <laughs> absorbing all of this lore that I just mm, can't wait to <laughs> <laughs> and and you guys can answer this question as vaguely as possible. I don't want to put you on the spot. But can you tease any sort of release date of when the first comic might be coming out? Yes and no. So something that people aren't realizing about this process is that even though we have, let's see, 70 or 71 pages of line art complete, we're coloring, it's a big amount of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the equivalent of the publishable comics and those take over a year to produce for someone who's working full time just for context. Right. So we're actually faster than the official producers, which just saying, um, (laughs) the thing is we need to complete the first chapter and the subsequent chapter before we publish. That way we have a buffer that way people don't have to wait two, three years for the next chapter to come out. Right. Um, and so Mm -hmm. it will happen in 2021 i can guarantee that so there's that <laughs> okay i'm okay with um, that I... hiatus and subsequent hiatuses here and there have taken their toll um but i think we're all emerging from this pandemic slowly but surely uh, some of, of our team members are getting vaccinated finding new mm-hmm. jobs and so we are in a better position than we've ever been um and we the, uh, another thing mm-hmm. is that none of us were professionals when we started so we've been teaching ourselves and building the plane as we're flying it. Um, we are teaching ourselves storyboarding concepts. I bought a couple books from the Savannah College of Art and Design just because like, I really should learn this if I'm going to make a comic. Uh, and so we're teaching each other. We're editing each other's work. Um, and so the comic also takes time because we're allowing each other to experience new skills and give it a shot, even if we're not equipped to do it perfectly the first time. Like I could go in and do line art that I'm satisfied with, but it's more important to me that other artists on the team do it 
and learn from it. And then I can mentor where I can, Juan can mentor and point out design stuff when he can. And that way we're not only completing the comic, but we're contributing to the professional and artistic development of our peers. Um, and obviously that takes time. There's rework, there's duplicative work sometimes, but in the end it's rising or it's raising a cohort of artists who are supporting each other, who are learning and who will be better equipped in the future to tackle these tasks faster and with more accuracy and quality. So all this to say, it'll happen in 2021. Mark my words. If it's not, then I, I will eat soap live. So <laughs> God, artists, please, please, can, we can do it. I believe in you, my self. We got to save you guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to eat soap live. <laughs> uh, but it's going to happen. Um, we wanted it to be in the summer of 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but this is a great example of losing the battle, but not losing the war, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, just uh, everything from what we've talked about, and again, everything that's on the website, I'm sure it's definitely going to be worth the wait. I hope so. Uh, just like a, a quick perspective, like from the writing team, uh, you know, we, we, we've written the stuff, the, the script, and artists are getting their hands on it and are, are put, bringing it to life. And it's just so fun being in the Discord. You can we can see our, our, all our each other's stuff and communicate. We're not segregated artists, writers. Uh, and it's so amazing to see. I think it would be very um, uh, good for the fans to hear uh, that it is constantly, like the artists are just doing their best even though they've got other commitments other jobs other life stuff there's constantly line art coloring people working together asking questions update update and like completed work give me the next one it's just like every day i look i'm like oh man they're already on that like part oh my goodness these guys are going so it's like as if although we can't give like like mackie you know says 2021 we can't give a specific date but it's not at a standstill it is going and going and it's amazing to see the progress that those guys are making like the artists are just wow they're so great <laughs> so cool i'm really proud of everybody i mean i'm proud of the writers obviously because you guys are taking this time to revamp old ideas and keep going but i have to say the artists in particular have been pouring their blood sweat and tears sometimes literally into this work <laughs> And so um, sure. big shout out to Juan too for leading the uh, art team for a while and just being phenomenal. Um, and also just everybody for being flexible and it like our processes have been iterative. Uh, we've been learning as we go, we've been adapting and every single one of the artists has shown a lot of agility in adapting to different processes and like, okay, we're doing this now. All right, let's go new process uh, as we're figuring it all out. They're amazing. Oh my goodness. Awesome, cool. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions we had. Um, Kayla, do you want to uh, lead us out of here with social medias? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, thank you all so much for coming, by the way. This is phenomenal. Thank you for having us, for real. I'm excited. This is great. Yeah. Where can our listeners find you and your work? I know we talked about the website a lot, but where else can we find you? <laughs> yeah. So as was mentioned, the website is www.legendofgenji.com. Um, we're most active on Instagram. And so we're at, at legendofgenjiofficial. Um, I believe on Tumblr, we are Legend of Genji. And on YouTube, we're Legend of Genji. 
and on Twitter. I'm pretty sure we're Legend of Genji or Legend of Genji. You're going to find it. Just go to our website. Just just look up Legend of Genji. Legend of Genji. Legend of Genji official. Awesome. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in again this week. Um, just a quick reminder, if you'd like to, you can pledge to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. You can get a lot of cool exclusive benefits for as low as $1 or up to $5. And you can reach out to us to get in touch at our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. Awesome. And also tune in next week for a very special Pride theme episode of the Avatar Hour Podcast. Definitely, definitely make sure you guys are following The Legend of Genji. We are really excited. Um, and hopefully we can invite you guys back when the first chapter is out. I'd love to talk more about this with you guys. Absolutely. Yes cool so the links for all of the social medias and the website will be included in the description again thank you guys a million times for coming on to the show um it really means a lot that you came on and talk about this project we as a podcast are dedicated to celebrating the fandom and what the fandom does to keep avatar alive and i think you guys have been one of the leading charges in that honestly like absolutely just what you guys have been doing the last couple of years is just really really amazing so thank you so much for being here today thank you for the opportunity we really appreciate it thank you all right thank you everyone so much for listening my name is andre and i'm kayla bye everyone bye.